You are listening to the Downtown Larned Podcast, the podcast where we aim to cultivate vision for the future of downtown Larned. We are so grateful to have you join us this week. Let's get started. All right, guys, welcome back to the Downtown Larned Podcast. We are so excited to have you this week. I am riding solo. Jared, my partner, has, has left me out to dry, but thankfully, I've got two wonderful guests. We've got Seth back. Um, Seth McFarland with the Santa Fe Trail Center. Hope you enjoyed the last uh, historical episode. We are with uh, Carol Jankner. Did I get it right? That's correct. Okay. So so Seth and Carol are going to be giving us some historical context on two specific buildings for downtown, um, 414 and 416. So um, give us... Either one of you, give us a little bit of a description of, of where those are at right now so we can get some context, and then we'll dive into the history. Okay. Well, I would say, what was that last year? Carlton Burt um, of Burton Weta uh, approached us for some information about the about that building. And uh, so that's really what, what uh, ignited our interest in that particular section of town. Yeah, and so we have some wonderful resources out at the Santa Fe Trail Center. Um, We looked in the old panoramas from 1919 through 1976, which has a lot of advertising. So we could kind of follow the trail of these buildings. Um, The original building for Rouse, I understand it's called Rouse Bakery, not Rose Bakery. Um, It began... And this one is this one is Carlton Burt's building. Right, 414 mm-hmm. Broadway. Okay, so for listeners, when you're driving down, you might not know which building that is, but that is the one with the poles right in the front right now. So, right, right. So he's, he's one of the only ones that are doing resi- – well, right now the only one that's doing resi- renovations on a building right now. So it's got – it's got balconies on the front of it, so that's right. Of uh, as far as I know, the first building was a wood frame building, constructed about 1879 on that location, and it was the Casper Bakery. It was later purchased by Isaiah Rao and become Rao Bakery, and um, for a short time, it was also the Rao and Long Bakery when Rao's brother-in-law joined them. They had a watering trough and a well in front of the building that I think everyone's probably forgotten about. Uh, Nobody lives from that era. Um, The original frame building was moved just north of the courthouse where it became a carpentry shop. But for a short time, it sat out in the middle of Main Street while they constructed the brick building. Oh, really? So they picked up the wood building. That was there. Right. Just moved it right on the street. Right. They thought that was the best place for it. Well, so they could continue business. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so, so when, what time frame were we looking there? How long was the wood structure there? Uh, looks like until 1885. 1885. Okay. And we think that that 1885 building was probably constructed of Larned bricks because Larned was known to have at least one brick company. Yes. And so Seth and I talked to Seth Jarrett and I talked about that in our first episode. Um, The way that you position that, it sounds like the 1885 building is not the building that's there today. That's right. Okay. All right. Um, Well, that's, that's interesting because we're, we're pretty close to the, we're pretty far South in downtown with this building. So Mm -hmm. that location, as you mentioned in, in the first episode, um, 
it building started uh, you know by the train tracks and moved north mm-hmm. so we're we're really talking about one of the older locations um, established and that would explain the the wood and then even a brick building and now it, has there only been one building since the 85, 1885 yes building? yes okay. they had a fire okay. Rao bakery had a fire they think it was probably the fault of the bakery because somebody didn't turn the oven off he also Isaiah Rao also purchased a grocery store across the street um, and so that he had several businesses most of them revolved around bakery businesses, restaurants or diners, and grocery stores. But his primary location was at 414 Broadway. Um, So that, was there, was there, you know, if there was any difference between the levels and and floors um, in regards to businesses? Was it, was the main floor a bakery or was the whole, whole darn thing a bakery? Early on, that would have been, uh, when it was just the wood frame building, it would have been just a single story. Um, It wasn't until that uh, they started to do brick that you had multiple story. And the depth of the building, the early version did not go back very far. That first decade or so, it it, um, was kind of a shallow building. It wasn't until later that it looks like that they extended it back. I'm just referencing the uh, Sanborn maps, of, and those were produced about every decade and so the best that I can tell, um, the oven actually was outside, and then later it was incorporated in, onto the in, inner part of the building. But uh, the early – and you have to think back back then that you know these weren't electric ovens. These ovens were actually probably wood-fired. Or coal. Or coal. And so uh, you would have wanted them out so that you weren't filling the building with smoke. And then also think, where's your wood supply? So a lot of that was probably being brought in on the railroad. That um, first brick building burnt down in the winter of 1913. So it didn't didn't last too long. Mm, 20 years. It was rebuilt, and the building that was rebuilt on that spot still stands, although they did have another fire, um, let's see, in 1950, that did extensive damage to the inside of the building and did... Mr. Burt, comment on the smoke-blackened bricks he found? I'm thinking he did. I can't recall, but I'm thinking he did. So 1950, we had a a fire Mm -hmm. in the building. I'm sure, well, I I don't know our demographics on on who listened to this podcast, but um, I'm sure there's somebody in the community who will probably uh, remember that, that fire, but... We mentioned it on that first podcast of just the industry. I mean, there's every single industry Mm -hmm. at the same time Mm -hmm. um, back then and and fitting that it's going back to to food. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's, that's pretty uncool. Well, and that, if, if you want to go, if you want to talk about that, that's also what's interesting is that I don't know um, how many know that uh, or have been out to the fort, but recognize that Fort Larned actually was the primary baker of bread for all of the forts in the, uh, along the Santa Fe Trail. So okay. um, your, your Kansas forts and then even your forts into Colorado and New Mexico relied on the bread being baked in at Fort Larned. And so, you know, we've got a rich history of bakeries here. Yeah. And then when you consider that Rao Bakery was actually at one time the longest running business in Larned. Yeah, 88 years, according to what I found. Um, it's kind of interesting. In 1921, the name was changed to Rao's Sanitary Bakery and Confectionery. So 
what made it more sanitary is kind of my question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine there's some rumors going around, maybe mm-hmm. uh, some some uh, some dirty dirty utensils, and he had to he had to shape that up real quick. I'd imagine change the business name. They made a big deal about it, and there are even grocery stores down in the area that changed their name to the Sanitary Meat Market or the Sanitary Grocery. Uh, cleanest grocery in town. So I don't know if they rinsed their vegetables or, <laughs> or what made them more sanitary, but uh, they put up a screen door to keep the flies out maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they reopened the, the bakery that had been burnt in May of 1950 and had a grand reopening, but the, the Rao Bakery closed its doors for good in 1967. 1967? It was the, they called it Learned's Oldest Continuous Enterprise at that time. It had lasted for 88 years. Three generations of that family um, operated the bakery, and then there had also been a restaurant in there until 1909. So, with that being said, Isaiah Rao, it'd be interesting to know who's related to to Rao, because I don't recognize that last name, but I'm not all-knowing either. So, if you're related to any of the Rao's, um, that that might be some cool tidbit of information that they could tack on. I think there's still some descendants. I don't know that uh, the name is still um, still here, but I believe there are still some descendants from that. Uh, yeah, because I mean, like like uh, Carol said, there were over three generations that operated that, um, which is pretty impressive. I mean, today you're lucky if a, a family business lasts more than a couple generations. Right. So, um, one point, uh, going back to the Rao Bakery, one point I, I discovered in reading an article about the family was that uh, uh, one of their highlights was called Carnation Bread. And uh, that was also in some of their advertising. And it was interesting because it was called, it was basically a Carnation Bread was after Carnation Milk, which was a condensed milk. And Carnation Milk came about in like 1899. So it was kind of a new invention, but it was it was kind of a lighter bread that was apparently very popular at the time. You can still find the recipe online. Really? But um, yeah, it was like something that they... Condensed bread. Well, uh, yeah, condensed milk bread. And so um, it was just kind of a, I would assume, just kind of a curiosity here. We've covered, we've covered the history of 414 through... Where did we where did we leave off the fire? About the the, the late sixties, yeah. Sixties. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, do we have anything else to add to four fourteen before we move on to four sixteen? It did have a recessed entry at one time, like the big plate glass windows in the entry that was recessed. Okay, and that was that was fairly common. It mm-hmm. seems like from the old pictures that you gave me, Seth, mm-hmm. um, a lot of those older buildings that the front of them and the columns were just that columns where people could walk in. Um, I wonder, I wonder what the purpose was for that. Why they didn't just go flush. That's, that's interesting. Probably something to do with wind or, or airflow, um, keeping things shaded. A lot of them had the big awnings out front. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if you look at the Sanborn maps, you know, these are in a sense what you would look at as like an aerial map. You're looking down and so the interesting about Sanborn is because it's insurance, it's, it's qualifying the materials that these are built out of. So you have a brick building, and then on the back of 414 and 416, it actually mentions that there was an external oven and that there was an ironclad wall, and that um, you know on the front, sometimes it would show that there was a wooden s- a structure out on the front, or then later it might be um, probably so, like a canvas cover. 
if if you're anything like me, I didn't know what the sandboard maps were. Um, but Seth Seth showed me um, back in the day, Sanborn was an insurance company. Is that right? Right. So in order to underwrite, and I'm well, I, I understand very well on the underwriting process of insurance, but um, in order to adequately cover risk, they need to know what these buildings were made of. So I guess they would, they would um, create these maps and show what each of the buildings were made of. And, and even the, the timeline is, is printed in them. So um, pretty detailed, um, but you could even, so even within the building, you could say this wall was made of uh, stone to be, to be fire, you know, mm-hmm. um, protected. Mm-hmm. And okay. So it's that detailed. It probably, you know, helped them to determine which buildings do they need to, what insurance level do you need to provide? How much money we're going to charge. Right, yeah. right. And they were color coded too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that pink meant brick and yellow meant one thing and, you know, gray meant boundary right right or stone so we're, we're talking today about 616 and 614 no Broadway. sorry 414 uh, and 416 that's my that's my dyslexia I, <laughs> and we've got a lot of fours and a lot of sixes in those so 414 and 416 broadway so we just recapped 416 which is carlton Burt's building that he's redoing right now 414 oh, <laughs> Now, if that's not confusing enough. Okay, so we just covered 414, which is Carlton Burt's building. It was, for the longest time, one of the longest-running businesses at the time um, was a bakery. Now we're going to be moving on over to 416, which is just the building to the north, which I believe is being used as storage right now. Um, But, Seth, you were mentioning how these buildings are built together almost, Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because we, Larna just tore down those buildings to the south of the, of the building that we're talking about. So it's just an empty lot right now if you're driving by. Um, but the whole reason why the whole the whole darn thing had to be tore down is because they were basically all built as, as one, even though that there was there were separate addresses within them. Um, it, so I'm I'm gearing you up towards the architecture of that. Um, was that pretty common to have business owners go in? together and and build their businesses with the same uh the same platform or or is that just learned specific no i think i think that was pretty common they called them blocks like you'll see the frizzell block or you'll see the opera block and they were built to house numerous businesses and the one who provided the most money got their name on it Mm -hmm. that's about right today too i'd I'd imagine you go to universities and Mm -hmm. and the, the person who's given the money has their name on the building. Exactly. Or in this case, it might also be maybe it's the landlord. You know, they, they own the building, and so they're renting out all these different sections. So tell us a little bit about, because I'm trying to think right now. Of course, it was different then because Carol brought up the fact that you the, it wasn't necessarily flat. It, it had an indention that you could go into. Um, but right now it's set up to where there's almost like a hallway and you can go into either building, I believe, mm-hmm. um, from kind of the sides of both buildings. So um, tell us a little bit about the, the structure itself and how it was, it was built originally. Well, going back to 
the early days, they were actually two separate buildings. You know, they were frame buildings. There was actually, it looks like an alley. If you're looking at the maps, there was an alley in between. And then there were usually some substructures. So you had like with the bakery, you had the oven out back. Sometimes there were sheds um, or, you know, sometimes they would, like you mentioned, you'd put, if there was a second floor, you'd put a, a stairwell in the middle and uh, just to access the second floor, second or third floor. So those were two separate buildings. Um, and in 84, I believe, 1884, that space uh, was um, um, listed as a milli, so presumably a millinery. And for those that don't know what a millinery is, it was a, a more or less a, like a, a women's fashion shop or a hat shop. And um, So 1884, I'm trying to get back to my original date on the other on the on the uh, one directly to the south. Mm-hmm. So I believe the first wood structure was 1887 for Carlton Burt's building. And this one must have came up about five years later. So you see the progression. 79 oh. was the first wood structure. Yeah. And I think they were probably built about that same time. And uh, the wood would have been shipped by railroad from mills back east. Um, you know, at that point, we really just didn't have a lot of trees mm-hmm. in this part of Kansas. So your lumber was being shipped from probably Missouri or eastern Kansas and by rail, and it was brought out. And so you could buy, you know, these packages. And so they, they were pretty basic designs and uh, usually one or two story buildings, pretty simple. They probably didn't have basements. And that would have come later with as as the buildings progressed. And so, yes, 1879, I'm assuming, was probably the same date for the, for 416. And then um, it, it's it's interesting because as you're studying the 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 maps, you're, you're starting to see how these businesses ebb and flow. And so, uh, just a few years later, it you know they're still a millinery, but then you see next into it, it's incorporated a notions shop. And so, a notions shop was also kind of a quilting and sewing supply. Okay, so we had a we had a bakery joint next to uh, a woman's hat store. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Correct. Hat, that's very specific. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if a woman's hat store would would make it in Larned right now. Well, and yet you go right next door to that, and it's a harness shop. So you know they were, and and a little bit further south there was a fruit stand. So you know they're just trying to occupy mm-hmm. any space available. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times your competition was across uh, across the street. You might, might have grocers across the street from each other. Or you might have jewelers or attorneys across the street from each other. So originally woman's hat shop, then it, it kind of morphed into a, a quilting shop as well. Correct. For a brief period, they, they were, it looks like they were uh, selling notions. And uh, so as I understand it, a notion shop would have been primarily like sewing supplies, probably quilting, probably fabrics. You know, at that time, uh, a lot of your clothing would have been, you know, made locally or probably even at home. So, you know, you were buying the materials rather than uh, buying something that was pre-made. Okay, yeah. And then uh, right after that, um, the Notion Shop was uh, eventually replaced with a barber. And then the barber uh, occupies the space where the the millinery is. This is around 1899. By 1905, a tailor has moved in uh, on the second floor. So this building's not as clear and cut as as what the one next to it was. You, you probably had um, the Isaiah Rao, is it Rao, the baker, uh, you know, having a successful business, and not to say that the other one wasn't successful, but there's a lot more in and out, it's mm-hmm. like uh, right next door. Mm-hmm. So you've you've taken us through where are we at timeline wise with the with the 
Um, you said a barber. When was that? The turn of the century? That was the turn of the century. Yeah. Okay. And then a tailor opened upstairs, um, right above the, the uh, quilting shop. Correct. So it makes sense that they would, and you know, whether it was for ease or maybe it was, you know, a cheaper rent, um, you know, I really can't, I can't say. Um, and that's about where my records leave off that I have information on. Okay. But, um, I, when, when you talk about these buildings originally weren't right next, butted up against each other. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because whenever I was looking at old pictures or if you just Google, uh, you know, old learned pictures, I don't know. Uh, if you, if you Google enough to find pictures of, of the way Larned was, you do see these staircases in between the buildings that are just open to public, mm-hmm. which I think is, is so weird. Um, in our day and age, you would never think about doing that, but, um, we actually have some still, still today in Larned, there's boarded up mm-hmm. notice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's just an interesting concept of, of the trust that was established back then of, you know, um, I guess, I guess there was businesses on top of the, on top of these, um, main level floors, but, um, it's almost like you'd worry about vandalism in those dark, dark, uh, stairways these days and, and just how society's changed. So. Well, and it, it existed back then too, you know, and the more things change, the more they stay the same, but you know, uh, as, as these buildings are enlarged and become uh, more permanent with, with whether they're brick or stone, then you do see those, those narrow alleyways disappear. You do see the, the stairwells for the most part, unless they're on the outer, the outer part of the block, usually they're, um, eventually enclosed. And so that way you can, you know, access the the upper level. Yeah. So that takes me back to your guys's research in itself. You you mentioned a lot of your information came from just advertisements themselves and, and archives. Is that right, Carol? And we have some of the early city and county directories. Okay. Which if you're in a real estate agent really relies on those even today because they not only give you a list of streets, city offices, buildings but businesses and then um, people's personal addresses. And, and later when there were phones, they gave your, your business, your home address, your phone number, what you did for a living, and who your wife was, which was never by her first name, but it was always Mrs. Yeah. Rao or something. Sure. Well, what telemarkers telemarkers would do these days to get a hold of that information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's quite detailed there. Um, well, I, I want to thank you guys for your hard work. Um, of course I've said it before, but we're, we're working towards just unveiling a lot of these, these stories, these, these detailed stories. And, um, man, it's just, it's incredible what, what has been, and I'm so excited for what's to come. Um, as long as we, we continue to put focus on it. So there'll be more to come. I don't know. Do you guys have, you guys have an idea of, of what buildings you, you're looking forward to next? Oh, I don't know. I think th- this whole, this whole district of town is just packed with history. And, um, and that's what I find interesting. So I don't know if I have a necessarily a particular favorite, but you know, we, we have such, so many longstanding businesses, whether it was the foundry across the street or, or I guess the next block. Right. Well, if you guys, if listeners have 
Um, any questions or anything to add to this history in regards to 414 or 416 Broadway? Um, we would love to hear it. Um, I, I know that we're, we have a ton of information in, in regards to um, downtown, but it's, it's, I'm sure that you guys have come across individuals who, who come into to the museum and, and have an article that maybe you haven't seen or a picture that you haven't seen. So those are kind of little treasures that you, I'm sure you live for. So um, if you have anything or, or uh, any information to add, you know where to find us. So thank you both so much for your time. Thank you. And we'll catch you all next week. Great. We want to thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Downtown Learner Podcast. We hope that this episode has both blessed and encouraged you. If you haven't yet, go like our Facebook page and leave a comment with your biggest thoughts and takeaways from this week's episode. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.